0: Hello and welcome to Upstream with Jim and John, father and son conversations about discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest.
1: I'm John. And I'm Jim. And today we're going to talk about why we love America, and you should too. <laughs> Yes, yes, sir. (laughs) We are pretty jacked up, the election season and all that, and this documentary we watched, and we are just fired up. So we're actually going to talk about seven topics, and we're going to do a different episode today because we're going to put a timer on each of the topics, and we're going to give six minutes to each topic. So this is going to be fast and furious on seven topics that we think are really fascinating about our country.
0: Specifically about how it works. Um, systems and the intentionality between how it was designed to run and the concept
1: of the con- our country. <laughs> yes, exactly. The concepts that drive it. So, before that, though, it is uh, story time, John, and you are up. I am up.
0: So, we're going to, in this episode, a little sneak peek, we're going to bring up something that Colorado just did that we're not crazy about. And so, part of my story time, I'm going to give Colorado a little love because I happen okay. to love Colorado. Uh, I live, we lived there. From, let's see, 2002 to 2011, I think.
1: Yeah, nine years.
0: Yeah, and uh, so that was me from ages six to fifteen. Wow. Uh, yeah, and we moved around more than more than is average probably for for most people. But uh, so Colorado was really my adolescence. That was my home. Uh,
1: and uh, and you I'm, know they say kind of a side note here. They say wherever you were in middle school is where uh-huh. you'll consider home. That's it. Yeah,
0: yeah. That seems about right. Although I do consider this home. I consider Washington home. Um, yeah. Uh, I love. You don't have to get me talking about much for very long to get to the point where it's many to talk about how much I love Washington. Um. So I plan to be here for a very long time, and not just because my wife would kill me if I left. <laughs> if we left. Um. But Colorado. Also, yeah. 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 Uh. I love it. It's uh. Um. Most and not my siblings, Two of my siblings are still there. Uh, a bunch of my friends are still there. Uh, but I love the mountains. Um, the going back there, I am just winded all the time. And I think, man, to do all the bike riding I did here when I was young, I must have been something of like an X-Men or something like that.
1: Oh yeah. You were superhuman. I know. Yeah. I
0: was surprised you didn't notice back at the time. <laughs> uh, we, I, and in my memory, cause it's an arid state and now living in like basically a rainforest. Whenever I go back, I'm like, it's really green here. It, like, blows me away to see, like, out in, like, the, the country and stuff. There's lots of, like, forests and stuff. There's woods. And in my head, it's always just this arid um, place. The food there is amazing. Um, you ever need So Mexican is there a story food? somewhere in here? I'm just talking about Colorado. There's no real story.
1: Oh, okay. I, th- I yeah. thought you were going to tell a story. So you're just, you're well, just talking about your love for Colorado.
0: Yeah. And the fact that I. Hey, here's a story. John loves Colorado. Yeah. The end. I didn't come here to get to get uh, <sighs> to get razzed about my love for Colorado. I'll tell you a story. I go to Colorado last summer. This this last summer, the, uh, uh, July, late July of twenty twenty, and I used to go there once a year because uh, when we moved here, I was halfway through my freshman year of high school. Yeah, and I wanted to see all my friends. I had no friends here for a long time. And yeah, you can throw me a pity party. I've already I've thrown myself very many. Yeah. Weh. <laughs> <laughs> and so I go back to see my siblings, my buddy Jesse. And uh and so I'm hanging out, his parents just bought this ranch. And uh it is what, like twelve acres? Forty. Forty. Oh my goodness. Now it looks stupid. I've been there and I didn't even know. Forty <laughs> acres. And way out in the country, and I have a hard time with Denver itself. I'm I am i I'll I'll, get, I'll throw a little more shade Colorado's way. I don't like Denver very much. It's this concrete um monolith. And any suburb of Denver looks exactly like any other suburb of Denver. And it really, really bothers me. So, uh, But getting out in the country, beautiful, beautiful. Mm-hmm. I uh, And if you're not from Washington, you won't get the significance of these. Or if you're not from a, another humid place, because other humid places have this too. I took a shower in, in this ranch in Colorado. And I step out of the shower, and I'm bone dry in maybe two minutes. Like, crazy fast. And that's a lot of... Real estate to dry so fast. It is. And in Washington, it takes forever because it's so humid here. <laughs> my hair's wet for like 20 minutes. It's a mess. Colorado, it's like 90 degrees at this around this time that I was there, maybe like 95. It was hot summer. You, you are a Wookiee.
1: So, you know, that's a yeah. lot of hair to dry.
0: I'm oh. just saying it didn't take long in the desert. That's true. Uh, we're hanging out and I'm sweating and I wipe my hand across my brow and the sweat's gone. And in Washington, it sticks around like some kind of oil on you. <laughs> and it, it's hot, and then this, uh, it's like 95, like I was saying. A cloud rolls over, and it gets windy, and it's like 60 degrees. It was yeah. amazing.
1: It's pretty spectacular.
0: So I, I love, love Colorado. And the shade that we're about to throw Colorado, we also throw on uh, our own home state. So uh, Now, I want to
1: say, yeah, I want to say that you love Colorado, but you would not move there. If your wife said, no, I'm all never. in, let's go to Colorado, you'd say, no, I want to stay here.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and we don't have time for this. It's it's mostly a people issue. Uh, You know, like your my family's here and her family's here. Right. Yeah. But you have said you've made it very clear. If we all move to Colorado, you ain't going. I said Texas, and because my wife is not okay with it.
1: (laughs) If my wife was okay with it, you all then you all went maybe. Okay. So this we don't have time for this, but I'm gonna ask it anyway. Monolith. You said Denver's a monolith. Yeah. Mono one lith what is lith
0: i mean man i can't tell you the history and like etym- etymology of the word i'm not that. okay then
1: what is a monolith just give me a simple definition
0: it is um not diverse it is uh consistent to a fault so um hmm. if you are like i'm trying to think like people okay so
1: it. monochromatic
0: yeah yeah one color yeah so there's no variety like uh, olympia has a city now, have, see, I would
1: have, when you said it's a monolith, I was thinking something massive and large and but uh that's interesting. So the word means just uh just one. One.
0: So like Olympia is a really interesting city. It has downtown across the across the um Capitol Lake. Right. And it has the west side. Yeah. That's the same one city. And that but Fourth it's got Avenue
1: these, Bridge is like a whole It's like a wall between Yeah. Because it goes into the whole body of water. And yeah. The, yeah,
0: very distinct cultures, very distinct architecture. Um, um so that's that's an uh, I don't know what diverse is the word, but I don't know what is the opposite of monolithic. Eclectic, yeah, sure. But that's what I meant by monolithic. Is Denver? Okay, I'm with you. I now. can never tell where I am in that city, and part of it is I don't live there, so I'm sure that would change. But
1: yeah, okay. Yeah. Let's dive in. We're going to talk about Merca and why we love it, and we're going to do seven topics. These topics are about a basic civics course and a, a government philo- philosophy, philosophy of government, maybe. A couple of those, yeah,
0: and we're going to like like uh, like you said, we'll be on a timer, and when that timer runs out, we'll do some sumizing thoughts, and then we'll we'll move and on. Move
1: on, and so we may frustrate you because we may be hot and heavy into a topic. Timer goes off, that's it, we're done. But this closing. is the only way
0: we can function, because we cannot yes. restrain ourselves.
1: We cannot. We ramble, <laughs> talk about words, monolith, and all that, and argue about Colorado and stuff. So no telling where this would go if we didn't do this. So here we go. And one Let's, more
0: side note before we go. We're doing some more stuff with our audio. So if you hear something different or funny, we're just testing stuff. It's not a mistake. You're not hearing things. So we're, we're, <laughs> we're changing stuff up. So so And give us feedback on that, if you don't mind. We In always love comments feedback. Or, always or love feedback. Via email.
1: Yeah, so let's get down to it. Item number one, six minutes start. Here we go. Republic versus democracy. Go, John. Okay, so
0: uh, if you've been around us in the past month, you've probably heard of this documentary called Safeguard. That's where a lot of these ideas come from. You don't. You do it's not. On Amazon to have, Prime. On Amazon Prime. You do not seven minutes it.
1: of your life. Good investment. <laughs>
0: You're taking up my six minutes, my three minutes. <laughs> uh, you do not need to have seen it for this, but this is where a lot of these come from. And they talk about how um, a democracy is different than what America really is. America was founded on uh, the colonies at the time, and it was so much, they were so much separate that someone in Pennsylvania probably had never met anyone who had been to Georgia, say. Right. They were that distinct. It was very much like the European Union and European It
1: was countries. basically 13 countries.
0: Exactly. And a federal government uh, to handle them. So we're uh, so a republic of, with, a, with a federal head over 50 individual sovereign organizations. Yeah, and so the, the organizations, and it's that way because the, those, the states are very good at things like education, building their own roads and bridges, um, social programs, uh-huh. and they're very bad at things like having a military and foreign policy. So the federal government handles those, and the state government handles their own
1: things. So these 13, at the time, independent states agreed to cooperate together as a republic so that they could combine the best of themselves, cover yeah. the weaknesses of themselves, and have be, become a global entity that could uh, barter, uh, fight wars, negotiate with other countries. And it was necessary, and, especially at the time, to actually win their freedom.
0: None of those guys on their own stood a chance, and they were behind them to the west was the Spanish Empire. Empire above them was the French Empire. So they, you know, they're surrounded by world powers.
1: Yeah, and time. England had not given up the desire to come and take them back. So yeah, so you had uh, this cooperation. So uh, Greece at the time was a democracy but no I, democracy I, I, way, way back not at the yeah, time but yeah well way back but no democracy had ever lasted 200 years and so to be they what they did was they figured out a better way to make a democracy or a democratic idea be sustainable with limitless growth
0: sustainable uh, in duration and with size um, with even with just the 13 colonies it was way too big for a pure democracy mm-hmm. where literally every, it is only run by the people uh, Greece was a place of city-states where they had these uh, democracies, and it worked because they were also small. Even at the small size the country was, not even as it is now, that system would not work. So this republic system, uh, uh is why the why we can even do this today. Yes. Yeah, so and one each, of the reasons. Yeah. Go ahead.
1: Well, I was going to say each state is a democracy, the mm-hmm. majority rule in the state, but the uh, but the group together form a republic where they bring their representation, they bring their state-determined agenda to the group, and then the group would deal with that as a group. Yeah. And this representation would be based on the size and population of each state. That way you had uh, uh, adequate representation based and fair. Not you know The large ones don't get to dominate the small ones, but they do get more representation because there's more of them.
0: Yeah, and th- and that ensures that um that even the, you know, what what people call flyover states um everybody gets a voice. And uh and that gets into more of the Electoral College, which this the documentary is really about. Yeah. Uh, but we'll get more into that. Uh, so, in
1: the re- people would say, for example, we we should say that the popular vote gets to be the president because more Americans want that president, but that would be a democracy that's trying to be a huge democracy. Yeah. rather than being a republic so what uh, the way uh, the the example is in, in the World Series they play the best of seven. So let's say the Texas Rangers beat the Seattle Mariners this would never happen but uh, <laughs> in, and and they went to seven games. Well if the if the Mariners scored 50 runs in the series but they only won three games, the Rangers are still the the world champions even though they only scored 25 runs. Because yeah. it doesn't matter how many runs you score, it matters how many games you win. And yeah. so to become president, you have to win 50 games. You have to win the majority of 50 games. You have to compete at every game. And the role of states. So, um, and I think modern
0: uh, modern statehood, we, we, we haven't lost the sovereignty that we had legally, but we don't really behave that way. We definitely now behave as... Um, limbs of the federal government when really we have the power as sovereign states to do a lot more than that. And that's when you see stuff in the civil war and stuff. Now you can maybe
1: start singing the yellow rose of Texas because Texas <laughs> has held on to the fact that this is a Republic and that they have the right to secede from this union. And no, they, they don't and, actually. Oh,
0: that, but they do. Well, tell that to the Texans of 1860 <laughs> and, and how they had to go home and lick their wounds. It didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> That's about the extent of their sovereignty. But the point is
1: the federal government re- is ruled by the states and cooperates with them rather than telling the states how to do their job. This sure. COVID, COVID became a very vivid demonstration of this because instead of having the federal government control how each state operated in a COVID world, each state made their own decisions about the COVID yeah. world.
0: And that, I mean, we have complaints about how some states handled it, but really we like the system. I mean – you know, our, our state Times oh, up, John.
1: all right. What is your summary statement?
0: Summary statement is statehood is very important. And uh, as I've said before, the smaller you go, the more impact you have. Uh-huh. They can be very efficient. Uh, we didn't even get into civil rights and how states have been very, very efficient on the civil rights front before the federal government has. Um, and it's final word. I can't go that much in depth, but uh,
1: but very important, very important. And as a matter of fact, how many northern states had abolished slavery before the Fed did? Uh, the northern states, almost all of them had by the year 1820. So each state had individually abolished slavery in their state. Uh, the northern states. The northern states. And and so the Fed couldn't do it that fast. They waited another 40 years or so before they yeah. could do it. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, item number two, starting the timer, is um, the idea that absolute truth did give some guidance to the founding of our nation. And guess what? It actually worked.
0: Mm, Yes. Yeah.
1: And so when I speak of the absolute truth, uh, biblical truth that they leaned into, it was fallen human nature. There's always been a discussion in my lifetime about, are people basically good or are people basically bad? Yeah. Many people think that people are basically good and they are made bad by the environments that they're in. But the scriptures teach that we are born fundamentally broken. We are uh, conceived mm-hmm. in sin, that we are born sinful. Um, bent over is the actual language of iniquity. Oh, wow. And so the fathers, the founding fathers, believed this. They believed that man is inherently fallen and that if he has an inordinate amount of power, he will, maybe not immediately, but he will eventually abuse that power for his own wishes and his own good rather yeah. than representing the people with his power. Now, they had left a monarchy, and they did not want to see that duplicated. And one of the brilliant parts of their uh, design of the of the United States of America is that they inherently did not trust government.
0: Yeah, and this is huge uh, to me. This was kind of a, a big part of this. Again, very much recommend the documentary. Uh, kind of slapped me in the face was – Um, that this system, when we talk about systems that, that historically have not worked and have resulted in huge human rights atrocities, um, it is when, uh, the assumption is that people in power will, will be okay. Mm -hmm. They'll, they'll act in our best interest. And the reality is, um, that's not true. And it's kind of how you see the world. And so, uh, you know, we believe scripture is the word of God and scripture says, um, you can't trust a man as far as you could throw him, you know? <laughs> and so when you create a system like this, it's like in heaven, obviously, we're not going to have a republic or democracy or it'll, it'll, God will be our King. That is a, that is a different thing. When we tried to have human Kings, even ones that were informed by God in, in Israel, you know, even with David.
1: Yeah. So talking um, about a theocracy there. A theocracy. where They're saying, let's let God be the King. Let's let God be our ruler.
0: Even that doesn't work because of how fallen humans are So in, in on Earth. It, and obviously, yeah. a human kingdom is going to look a lot different than that. So understanding the realities of the human condition and, and this absolute truth, and you design a system around that, turns
1: out, shocker, it works really well. Pretty genius. And uh, the idea that power corrupts and absolute power absolutely corrupts. Yeah, And so the goal was to design a government that would never allow a single person to have an inordinate level of power and that all power sources would be balanced and uh, um, uh, checked and balanced by other branches of power.
0: Yeah, even uh, they would uh, um, have contests with each other to like even themselves out. So, like, the three branches don't always even, they're not even designed to always be in harmony. They're designed in some ways to cancel each other out. Yes, they are designed to be in conflict. Yeah. yeah,
1: Because they seek different things.
0: So we spend um, a lot. I mean, look around. We spend a lot of energy on the president. Um, That's probably the majority of our political focus as a country is the president. And he is the head executor of the country. Now, don't Um, get into
1: three branches. That's going to be one of our topics here in just a minute.
0: Okay, okay, okay.
1: Point being um,
0: uh, that even him, his power is not um, not as much as it it could be and is in other countries.
1: Right. So inherent distrust in human nature. Therefore, we need systems that will keep human nature within a certain boundaries. We need guardrails, protections and a a government structure that doesn't allow one individual to ruin a country. They can only do so much damage before they are checked and balanced. By other systems. That's genius. Yes, exactly. All right, we're going to gonna we're gonna cancel our timer. A minute and a half to go. We're going to start the next one. Not bad. And, the, and not at bad good. at all. Look at that. The next principle is that slow change is good. Get us yes. going on that, John.
0: This is, and I was about to start uh, getting into this. And this is why it's good that we, we limit ourselves because it, it turns out this is a, a perfect follow-through of the system. I said, I imagined someone bristling at this when I said, that's why our system works so well mm. because it is very, very, uh, popular and very understandable to say, "Hey, our system doesn't work well. We're slow, glacial, glacial change," and in reality, that is a very, very good thing. It's um, also as yeah, its it.
1: you know every sword has two edges, and um, the the downside of this is it takes a long time, and for a belief to be widely agreed upon before you have a consensus enough to make a significant change. Yeah. And that's a good thing because it keeps you from being um reactive to what's going on in the immediate world and it forces you to keep large guiding principles as your guide. Exactly. But we all know that when our when our uh, constitution now I'm gonna show my ignorance here, whether it's the declaration or the constitution that says we hold these truths to be self evident. Mm-hmm. What is that line from constitution or declaration? Well, I was hoping not. yeah, I was hoping you wouldn't ask because now I'm going to be showing my guards <laughs> too.
0: I honestly don't remember. I think it's the declaration, well, here, let's, <laughs> but we
1: know this line. We hold these truths to be something that, that all men are created equal and are endowed by their creator. So you have this principle of a creator and uh, men create equal, but we all know that our history has shown that some people are created more equal than others. And while we have said all men are created equal, we have not behaved that way. And it has taken long, slow, widespread movements to make change to catch us up to the to what we really should mean there. But that's the downside of it. The upside of slow change is that you have to have widespread agreement to make substantive changes to the governance of this republic. And that
0: word substantive uh, the the. Torturously slow change in civil rights. This is not at all to undermine that, and how how slow this country was, even up to nineteen sixty, a hundred years after the Civil War, when Black Americans were still fighting for rights to drink the same water as, as white people. That's right. insane. Yeah, so to so not this, to sit
1: in the back of the bus. Yeah,
0: but this is sub- substantive change. If the, at the in the Civil War, right, he had just said, uh, at, at the you know they the North beats the South, and they say, okay, now. Uh, we're in charge of your whole culture. We're going to determine everything you do. Uh, it wouldn't have. It wouldn't be substantive change. You have a culture issue. These are slow, slow changes. But really, uh, um, they describe it a lot in the documentary as um, tampering passions as well. Mm-hmm. That uh, uh, passionate decisions more often than not are not good decisions, and right. you cannot stay passionate for the twenty years it takes to make a change in America. Sometimes, <laughs> and that results in a more moderate, more effective. Um, Federal government, and that's why
1: states have more agility than the Fed does because, once again, participation in local government is a far more effective way to to make change than participation at the federal government because Mm -hmm. at the state level, the state can get uh, agreement quicker. It's a smaller number of people, a smaller population. You can go through the three branches of government in your state, and you can make changes, substantive changes to your way of life far more quickly than you can force that change on the entire country
0: and that's back to the sovereignty of states that it is good that they have those rights and the change that the state does make you will feel way more than a change even if the federal government makes the change right say they um uh, marijuana federally right uh we've had that legalized here for about seven years now eight years now um but the you would have police departments all over the country in states that weren't legalized now having to just react to this in the state talk about those culture shifts the slow slow um effective substantive shift um it's it's just i don't i'm struggling with the word it's almost ineffable but it uh it is so much more uh
1: effective yeah and um again this is why activism at the state level is far more effective um than activism at the federal level yeah. All right. So we got a minute and a half left there. We're going to cancel that one. We're ahead of ourselves, John. you have a closing statement about slow change is good? Um, I think uh, it is important to – it's an
0: idea that is not popular because it is so frustrating sometimes. So people say, man, the, all the red tape. You hear all the time about the red tape. And it's in reality the red tape is put there on purpose right? because if you want to <laughs> do something crazy – we have made 15, it very hard to do that. Exactly. We have 15 different ways, different levers to pull to slow you down, to say, hey, easy, take it easy. We got to <laughs> make sure this is right. And I think that's beautiful because otherwise we would be on the
1: throes of whatever passion we have for that decade and we'd be all screwed. Yeah. Now, if you're a change agent and you love rapid change, this is maddening. And this is why private organizations can be more agile and adaptive mm, for than sure. governments can. For sure. and, and governments are designed not to be fast. All right, let's change the topic now. One more, and then we'll do our show and tell. Beautiful. Representation is the goal. Here's our six minutes starting. By this, we mean that the the driving principle that, that obsessed these guys, the founding fathers I'm talking about, yeah. was that people rule. And it's the will of the people. It's the will of the people. It's not the will of the king. It's not the will of the president. It's not the will of governors. It is the will of the people. And so the idea was to keep pushing representation as close to the people as possible. That is a beautiful uh, guiding principle.
0: Yeah. And is this uh, our electoral college conversation or is that coming up? Um, No, this can be that because I don't have the electoral college on the last three beautiful this, then this is great so um we talked about throwing a little bit of shade on colorado uh give me some context because you, you're a little more you know more about this than i do about what these states have done uh in regard to the popular vote in this conversation of the popular vote is a better representative of people than the electoral college and yeah and, I, and,
1: and you hear people say this especially when their guy didn't become president even yeah. though they got the most popular vote and the idea is i thought we were democracy i thought we we're democracy if 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 3 million more Americans wanted this president, then he should be the president. End of yeah. discussion. And uh, that would be a federal democracy. And the reason that's a bad idea is because that that diminishes the representation of the local expression at each state. So if um, the electoral college is beautiful because it lets the state say, we want this guy to be our president. And then that state says, yeah, but we want this guy. And it doesn't matter um, what the popular vote was among all of those. It's who got more states, who got more yeah. electoral votes. Now, the electoral votes, you you see those if you watch the election. You know, Texas has this many. California has that many. Rhode Island has this many. You know, why is that? What do they base that on? And they base it on the same uh, representation you have at the legislative branch in the Fed. So every state has two senators and every state has representatives based on the population. If you have a bigger population, you have more state representatives. That's also, those combined make up the number of electoral votes you get. That way, again, the key is that there's equal representation for each citizen to the degree that's the most possible. Yeah. And And if there weren't electoral college, how would that be affected, John? How would the the will of individual people or states, how would that be diminished if there's no electoral college?
0: and so this is part of what we' talking about with with civil rights so if if there's no electoral college, you're just going for a popular vote, then when you and, and this affects more than the presidency, but because it's it's election season, um, a president could just uh, go to New York, go to uh, LA. LA and San Francisco, mm-hmm. uh, only cater to white people and win the election. Yeah, and, and the needs of all of these minority populations would not even be touched, would not even be talked about, because it wouldn't have to be.
1: And a big so, deal in this election was well, how they doing with the Hispanic vote, how they doing exactly. with the Black vote, how they are doing with the women vote. The city of Detroit uh, that was it basically decided
0: the the state's um, election, the the where their electors were going to vote for for Michigan, and that's a city of that's the Black vote largely. Whoever got the Black vote got Detroit. That is a huge part of this election that just no one would care. No one would care even in the slightest. Exactly,
1: And that's why, in my opinion, if you want to alter the Electoral College, convince your state not to be a winner-take-all state. In Florida, you get 39 electoral votes. Sure. If whoever wins the most popular vote in Florida gets all 39. I see what you're saying. And so instead, a better system might be you you get the electoral vote from each representative district. And then maybe the most popular in the state gets the two senator representations. So um, that, would, gotcha. that would force every county that has uh, every representative district, every legislative district gets a voice uh, that's got even more representation in that electoral college. So there's that idea. But let's talk about this uh, action that Colorado did because they became the 16th state. And by the way, with no electoral college, Washington is a great example of this because our governor just got reelected. All he had to do was satisfy King County, Snohomish County, um, Pierce County, Pierce County, and you could argue half of Thurston County. That's all he's got to – if he wins those guys, he can give the finger to the rest of the state. Yeah. And it, now he might not want to, but he can, and and because he doesn't need them to get elected. So the entire eastern half of the state – and the southern part of the state get no representation in the governor's office because their votes aren't needed to get elected. Yeah. So 16 states now, Colorado's number 16. Washington passed this in our legislation in 2010 and 11, and I didn't even know it. So I'm embarrassed to say I didn't know we, this. We had just gotten here, if that. We, it might have been before we yeah, got here. Yeah, but I've been living here 10 years, and I still didn't know we were part of this. Yeah, I didn't. And, no, and so these states, there, you can find this on on, on the Google machine, Uh, 16 (laughs) states now have passed legislation that says if a presidential candidate wins the popular vote but did not win our state, we will give our electoral college – there's a timer – we will give our electoral college votes to the popular vote winner of the nation and not to the candidate that our state selected. Yeah. That is, in my opinion, asinine.
0: And what, it's do- what it does is, like, a, a state like Colorado, mm-hmm. who who did this, the other ones who have done it are West Coast states, which is crazy because they have a lot of power otherwise, or already. Mm-hmm. But Colorado doesn't have inherent power that way. So they get more representation from an electoral college system than they do from a popular vote system. And they still want to uh, pay into this other system, and it appears only because of a misunderstanding or because they feel this pressure from maybe disconcerted voters or i don't know
1: well now to be fair in the website of this uh collusion is uh some videos and q and a's about why they think this is a brilliant idea and i have not watched those um, i doubt i can be persuaded but i am going to watch those and i can report back to you later on that but here's the scary part they are 12 states away and they're campaigning heavily in those 12 states If those 12 states, and you can find the list of those on the website, if they join this coalition, then those 28 states can hit 270 on the electoral ballot, and they can control who gets to be the president year after year after year, which means that these 28 states can give the finger to the other 22 states, and our president will be chosen by 28 states. Because they control 270 the majority of the electoral college. That is not a good idea. That sucks. Yeah, all right, John, you got to finish a uh, final comment about the electoral college or no. the idea of representation. No I'm bummed. Go on to your, go <laughs> into your show and tell. All right, it's time for show and tell <laughs> and uh, I have an item I want to tell you about. Uh, this is a clothing product that you uh, cl- a clothing item, an item of clothing. There you go. It? There you go. Yeah, an article. article uh, of clothing. article of clothing that you wear on your head. You might call it a hat. You might call it a ball cap. You might call it a golfing hat because that's actually what it is. If it's your master's it, hat, you've already shown it. No, this is a hat from Pebble Beach. Uh, mm. It has the emblem of Pebble Beach. 1919 was the year that Pebble Beach was uh, built and designed and established. And uh, on the side, it says bucket list. Um, play pebble beach and it's got a check mark in the bucket list item and i had the uh, incredible uh, opportunity and thrill of playing pebble beach uh, i think three and a half or four years ago and uh, i love that golf course and the and, and it's it's just right on the the water it's just stunning the the whole thing And the 18th hole is a legacy hole. It is a par five that goes right along the water, dogleg to the left. It has the iconic Pebble Beach tree right in the right middle of the fairway. Um, It is a famous golf hole. There's a picture of Jack Nicklaus uh, sitting on the split rail fence at the tee box, staring out at the ocean. It's his final time to play competitive golf at Pebble Beach. And they took a picture of him. It's his final hole of his final time to play Pebble. Wow, And it's an iconic photograph. So I had a picture of myself taken, you know, reenacting that moment. Yeah. And uh, that par five on number 18, it, the wind was torrentially into my face. I hit a crush drive, a crushed second shot. I put the third shot from 165 yards, three feet from the hole, and I sunk the birdie putt. I birdied no 18 way. all by myself. Yes. That's awesome. And so uh, I love Pebble Beach, and that's my item. I'll take a picture of that. We'll put it on our Insta. And we'll put it on uh, our our website. By the way, speaking of our Instagram, there's now a little thing in our bio of our Instagram page called a link tree. And you can get to all things Jim and John from that link tree. So that's kind of a cool new thing we just upgraded last week.
0: Yeah. And we've got, uh, we're revamping the blog system. And we got a lot more exciting stuff coming. Uh, so if you want to check there, we'll be posting about our blogs, a little screenshot of the topic. You can just go into our link tree, click on the blog button, and you can get there from Instagram. If you're on your lunch break or you got a, a 10 minutes to spare and you're bored, that's a good way to do it. Yeah, I found a good
1: article to read, but yeah. uh, hey, let's stand by for our commercial. We'll be right back.
2: Upstream is supported by the faithful members of the Upstream team, listeners who give monthly through Patreon. This podcast is just one part of the Jim and John ministry. They also write weekly blogs, have published their first book, and are currently at work on more. Their desire is to produce transformational content as well as offer encouragement and coaching to others. The dream is to see a movement of people who are integrating the work of Jesus into their daily lives and who are joining him on his mission to redeem and restore all things. Check out their website at jimandjohn.com where you can learn more about the Father-Son Duo and gain access to all they have to offer. If you would like to join the Upstream team, Consider partnering with Jim and John on patreon.com slash Jim and John. A link is also available on the homepage of their website. And remember, there's no H in John. Now let's join Jim and John for the home stretch of today's conversation.
0: All right, welcome back. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, we really, really appreciate your time, especially in this crazy season. And uh,
1: all right, and here we go. go. We got the, three yeah. topics left. Starting our six minutes, number five. Uh, number five for six minutes. Now I've used four seconds of that, the role of the three branches of government. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the three branches, what functions they serve and why that is a genius idea.
0: So we've talked, uh, philosophically and kind of ide- ideologically a lot about why the country is, uh, this is how the country is. So why the country wants to be slow, why we want to disperse power as thoroughly as possible. This is how this is the system of how. So we, uh, you know the founding fathers were directly from a uh uh a an abusive authority mm-hmm. a man with all the power that you could ever need unchecked power unchecked power and and abused it. so so they had a very vivid experience with this um and this is the way that they dispersed that so uh even when they they decided to make a man for to for to who will rule the country quote unquote who will run the country mm-hmm. uh the head of the executive branch even him is only, the, is only the head of the one branch that actually does things. He cannot create laws on his own. He cannot judge laws on his own. He has some executive powers like pardoning people and stuff like that, but, but his only authority is in executing what these other two branches do. So even when they chose one man for one job,
1: he can only do so much. Right, and he's actually not executing the wishes of the courts. So the three branches are legislative, judicial, and executive. The judicial mm-hmm. branch doesn't create laws. It right. doesn't create uh, initiatives. It brings uh, judicial determination to the behaviors of the legislature and the executive, and to the uh, the trans- the interpretation of the Constitution. Um, so they they uh, they uh, judge the activities of the other two branches. So. What's cool is the legislature, which is made up of what? Representatives from every state. Mm-hmm. So every state gets to send representation to Washington. They combine to make a legislature, and their job is to set the agenda for the country. They decide what laws should be passed. They decide what taxation should occur, uh, what the taxation dollars should be used for. They they craft the agenda of the nation. The executive of the uh nation the president Mm
0: -hmm.
1: merely executes the wishes of the legislature now to me this is clearly not how it works right now but it is the intention of the founding fathers so you see presidents abuse things like executive orders where they bypass the legislation sure and just just say hey i'm waving my magic executive wand and making this the the law of the land now but with our distribution of power that can get shut down pretty darn quick if the legislative branch does its job, or the judicial branch branch uh, the judicial branch can only rule on items brought to it, so um, the only way mm. the the courts would get involved is if somebody cried foul,
0: yeah, and had libel or something against it, or
1: yeah so what what we what I would urge is the legislature to do their job, set the agenda for the nation. I would urge the president to stay in the boundaries of his office. He represents us to foreign powers. He is the commander in chief of the military, but he operates in alignment with the wishes of the legislature. Yeah. Then the Supreme Court, they're not supposed to be politicians. They're not supposed to be agenda setters. It doesn't matter if they're conservative or liberal, idealistically. Their job is to interpret the law and enforce it, make sure that everybody's playing by the laws that they created.
0: And that's why they're not run um, on uh, a party like like they're not, not elected a party yeah. yeah they're not elected and like in a in Congress you'll always see a little R or a little D next to all their names. The mm-hmm. court is not that way at all. Or, or again, not uh, it's not supposed to be. Not supposed to be.
1: And uh, small again, if you want to if you want to assess the federal government uh, more easily, go down to the state level. So here we are. It's COVID world. Washington, like all states, has three branches of government. We have representation at the legislature, we have the executive branch and the governor, and we have the judicial branch in our court system. And in COVID, what you saw every state in the land do was begin to be run by a benevolent dictator called a governor who did not uh, call the legislature into an, a new session to determine the state's reaction to COVID. Instead, they just started making executive decisions about shutting down the economy uh, what people can or can't do putting each county in categories and they governed they actually dictated uh the reality in their state when, and that that's what their uh emergency
0: powers and yes. uh and but and again ideally they would they have these checks and balances in California actually uh, lawsuits against um governor Gavin Newsom uh have determined that he did over exceed his authority yeah. So so in that case their judicial system and legislative system are checking him after the fact.
1: Yeah. But- and if it were possible, the the ideal would be call the legislature into an added session and let the legislature decide how to respond to this issue. Now, um because government wheels move slowly, the determination was this is an emergency situation and yeah. we need action now. So we don't have time to call the legislature together and make laws. But anyway, that's the concepts of the whole process. It's a beautiful concept because it keeps everything checked and balanced, and it pushes representation to the people. Awesome. I have no final words. No final words? Got a bow on it, man. That was great. You got got two seconds, one timer. All right. We're going to go down to – we got two left, so stick with us for 12 more minutes. Here we go, John. The Bill of Rights. The Bill of Rights are anti-democratic. Explain that statement. Yeah. The Bill of Rights are anti-democratic. What do you mean by that?
0: So the Bill of Rights are things uh, that they decided that even if they had a majority vote on, it would not matter, Um, that these are not to be voted on. They are moral issues, and you cannot change those with a a vote of the people. So uh, all this talk about uh, representation, totally, totally accurate. But you could never, if 75% of the country voted to uh, enact slavery, you couldn't do it anymore. Because now we have this um, amendment into uh, um, our Constitution. constitution.
1: So the majority can never say, we think everybody with cross eyes ought to be killed. Right. And so (laughs) the poor cross-eyed people are going to be killed because that's the democracy. Hey, the majority rules, and that's what they decided. Yeah. And so the Bill of Rights protects our rights so that it doesn't matter. What the majority say these rights are defended to the death
0: and I think this is important because it uh, any system in the world can be eventually turned into a caricature of itself right or or to some extreme Mm -hmm. Uh, and this says hey we value these rights. we value uh, we value liberty and representation um, and everything has a line in the sand everything has an extent you could Mm -hmm. never vote this into existence or out of existence. Um, and, uh, and Liberty there, when you talk about what they were actually going for, cause Liberty, I mean, you know, it's like maybe the most used word in those documents, Liberty to the founding fathers meant the ability to go about your business unhindered, basically unmolested, I think is the word they use. Um, so, so them achieving or striving to achieve Liberty means striving to achieve a state where you can do what you want. Basically, you can go about your business, um, uh, unaffected. And so the Bill of Rights goes to mean that uh, um, you know the, to the extent that uh, you're, I guess I'm being redundant, but, but your representation uh, and opinion only goes so far as you can have liberty. That's mm-hmm. the whole point of it. So to the right. extent that you can be free that's why these exist. So it's not to the extent that you can oppress people or do just whatever you want in a vacuum.
1: They have a goal. The goal is liberty. And the liberty carries with it and an, an a built-in personal responsibility because mm. for you to have liberty, someone else has responsibility to protect that liberty. Sure. And so uh, this is what's so cool. In the wording of our Declaration of Independence, John, that's what document that was, we hold these truths to be self-evident. I think there that's my s- guess. So I'll take yeah. that as a W. There you go. So there are some things that are so obvious – that they are rights that the democracy that the majority rule doesn't matter. I love that principle.
0: Yeah, me too, for sure.
1: And and it's kind of a it's a, 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 a eye cocking statement. The Bill of Rights is not democratic.
0: Yeah, and the way they word it in the documentary is that it was actually a piece of rights versus democracy that they actually they in this particular instance they um, are opposed.
1: Rights and democracy are opposed yeah
0: in the, in in this instance when they were writing the Bill of Rights
1: yeah, pretty fascinating I'm again blown away at the genius of our founding fathers um, even though they were flawed men, you know several of them had slaves there was a lot of uh, a lot of shenanigans there but this formation of this government is it borders on divine intervention in my opinion okay. Two minutes early, we're going to cancel that one, and we're going to go to item number seven, our final one. By the way, if you've been listening and you hear us refer to this documentary and you don't remember what it was, it is called Safeguard, and it is on Amazon Prime, 77 minutes of your time, well worth it. You will fall as in love with America as we are. Two-party system is a good thing. John, I hear lots of people, this is number seven, uh, lots of people say, you know, we need more than two parties. This is – You know, one of us, uh, uh, one of our, uh, I think, a common opinion right now in the election we just had, Mm -hmm. people ask, is it really true that in a country of 330 million people, these two knuckleheads are the best we can do? (laughs) And uh, that begins to be a bash on the two-party system that these parties put these people in front of us. Yeah. And, um, you know, maybe it would be better if there were four or five or six parties. Why is it good that there's only two major parties?
0: So I was one of these people who was like, this doesn't make any sense at all. Why why, um, not everyone is represented in two parties? I, I have very many differences from most of the party that I'm probably closest to uh even yes. on basically in the middle which is even worse and that's then an
1: evolution have... that's an e- that's a cyclical evolution of the party system because uh long ago these two parties were actually opposite of what they are now in terms well, of the driving things of them so not, they do evolve
0: not opposite they used to have uh liberal republicans and conservative republicans and then liberal democrats and conservative democrats yes and so and we're evolved.
1: having we're having the extremes drive um uh, you know, it was Republicans but, that abolished slavery. That's what I'm saying. There's you what now, you know, people generally say that the Democratic Party is the party for minorities. And yet it was the Republicans who abolished slavery. So it's all but, evolved over time.
0: But here's the point. This is this is the value of the two parties. So um it is you are not exactly represented in either of the parties. More like more likely than not. Maybe you are, and that'd be great. But they are amalgamations of entire philosophies of people. Basically, they are national groups uh, of just many, many ideologies. So, in a Democratic Party, you have um, fringe ideology, maybe way, way left, all the way to you know to communism. P- and now people are outwardly communist, which is you mean um, socialist? Socialist. Some of them would probably identify as communists. Uh, I, I know, don't hear that very often but. I know of at least one who is part of the uh, calls himself that but yeah you're right the, the more often than not is democratic Socialist or however all the way to Very moderate people and then on the right You have people all the way over to, to Near uh, to libertarianism Then you have near all the way to fascism maybe there's a few Of those mm-hmm. and then you have plenty of moderates So like uh, Joe Biden and like Mitt Romney They're probably the most moderate of each of their party Oh, John McCain who's pretty moderate uh, so All of this Blends into an average that is very tame. So we talked about with the old system, or with the, with the system we have now uh, in our in our pace, and how that actually tamps down on tension and and passion and extremism. In the same way, if we had a multi party system, you have a party that can one it can win with between twenty five and thirty percent of the vote to get a president, which would be bad, which would be very bad because an extremist group can generate those numbers, right a group that needs 51% can't generate only extremists. They, there's not that many of them. So you need to attract um normal, quote-unquote moderates, people. Moderates, right? Moderates. And so you get this average effect. And so if there are all really these parties. Yeah, yeah, that's a great yeah.
1: that's a great description of that.
0: Yeah, so you and the parties that did win would win. They'd all be separated by like 1%. So you have the winner had 25, the loser had 24 and third place had 22. That is rife for conflict. That's the situation we have now times like three or four. That'd be insane. So this makes sure that, uh, one, these national groups are representing many, many people. So you don't have as much bristling. And even when we do have these two parties button heads like we have now, um, it is so much preferable to a nation torn to tiny little pieces by groups.
1: Yeah. And they squelch the extremities within their parties because they have to have the overwhelming majority of their party to agree on something. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty genius. It's kind of like the wisdom of the crowd idea. You know, if you, if you put yeah. a movie theater full of people and you have them guess a numerical answer to a question, um, you can take the average of the crowd and it will turn out to be very close to the answer an expert would give. That's crazy, huh? Uh, because the crowd average turns out to be pretty smart. And yeah. that's how these large two parties – they force each other. They force themselves to be pretty smart because they have to take the average feedback of their entire party. And
0: even they make this note. This will be my final word for for this one. Uh, that the uh, um, if one party has the House, Senate, and the President, if they do mm-hmm. a sweep, yeah, they in concept should be broad enough and um, and average enough within itself with all their different ideologies to have conflict within themselves, to have infighting. Mm-hmm. So they it won't be as smooth as, okay, now that we have all this, let's do universal health care and let's do uh, right. uh, universal basic income. Let's do all this stuff because a lot of the moderate Democrats don't want that. So they can't even amongst themselves pass all this crazy fringe stuff because it's such a big organization.
1: Just like if there were hyper-conservatives that had the House, the Senate, and the executive branch. Mm-hmm. They could say we're going to shut down immigration and we're not going to allow anybody to become Americans anymore. Yeah, and we're, we're going to punish people. All, we're, yeah, we're going to eliminate social programs and they we're going to shoot either. illegal immigrants. We're going to just <laughs> shoot them right now and send their body back to the country they came from. You know, you, you wouldn't be able it. to accomplish that because um, because of the the size of the party. Yeah, I, I, you know, that was counterintuitive to me. I think we both thought you know this two party system is kind of a problem. Um, but it also has some amazing strengths to it.
0: That was the big shocker because, um, because we've both, we've both agreed that things are crazier now than maybe they've ever been. Uh-huh. And the tensions are so high. So I was like, I was like, well, they would have to be lower tensions if we had more groups. Um, but I'm convinced that that's not necessarily the case though. I don't know what the answer is to our current, um, heightened, um, uh, differences. I don't know what the answer to that is, yeah. but, uh. Yeah. All
1: right, John, let's do a final takeaway for the entire episode. We're out of time. What's your big takeaway on your thoughts of why you love America and that we should too.
0: Why I love it. Uh, and why this reminded me that I love it is because these are original systems. These are genuine American originals. Mm-hmm. Um, democracy existed, you know, like we said, ancient Greece and antiqu- antiquity, antiquity, Greece, antiquated mm-hmm. Greece. Um, and, uh, and they knew it wasn't going to work, so they they took that, they made it a republic. They made these systems. The the uh, um, electoral college, they have they don't really know how they made it. They have a piece of paper that a guy kind of wrote an outline, and they went into a room, and they came out and had the college. They made that system. Yeah. Uh. So it's amazing to me that that really was the birthplace of Western civilization as we know it today. Um. And it makes me very very proud of how um, smart these men were. And there's plenty to be embarrassed about with the history of America. This is not to say that it's been a perfect country, right? Um, but but it's more to defend the systems because they're very very sophisticated, uh-huh. and to say, well, that doesn't make sense because my vote doesn't count. I want to make my vote count. It's like, well, that's dumb, and you need to you need to trust these people a little bit because it's held us for a very long time. All that's right, my, that's my final word. What's, what, yeah, you got one.
1: Well, you made me realize that there are parts of their process that I was not proud of, um, and I need to bone up on this. But they also went into a room and created the Federal Reserve Bank, which is neither federal. It's not a government agency. It's neither a reserve. They don't have a bunch of money there, and it's not a bank. Um, and, and so <laughs> the whole design of that was to try to keep the economy stable. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's an inordinate amount of power there that the people don't get to represent get their voice it's just designed for them um, interesting that's a whole nother conversation but uh we love our country we love you thanks for listening i uh, would love your feedback info at jim no h in the john uh we love what we're doing here with you and would love your feedback pass it on to a friend if you like it and thanks for listening
0: we will see you guys next time